The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. If you have your Bible, would you join me, Hebrews chapter 12. Pick up where we left off in verse 18. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest. And the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. I believe we could together study the Bible every day, every moment of our lives, and we would only begin to scratch the surface of just how exactly Jesus changes everything. And I think that's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to get across throughout this entire letter, especially in these verses. See, the Old Testament is very good and it is very useful. The law is necessary and they have their place. But Jesus changes everything. The writer of Hebrews has been showing his readers who the Old Testament and the New Testament is all about. It's all about Jesus. And how now that Christ Jesus has come, that He changes everything. All of the promises and the prophecies of the Old Testament, all of them find their yes and their amen in Jesus. And in the New Testament church he is building. So the writer of Hebrews is encouraging his readers to hold fast to Jesus because he changes everything. 
You see, here these verses make this same point. And it's not made with Old Testament characters like Moses and David and Jacob and Joshua. But his point here is made with two mountains. One is an Old Testament mountain, Mount Sinai. And the other is a New Testament mountain, Mount Zion. And what a difference there is between these mountains. The writer brings in Mount Sinai to show the contrast by which the mountain of our salvation, Mount Zion, may more clearly be seen and understand. There is a great contrast between these two mountains. There is a great contrast between Moses and Christ. There is a great contrast between the law and the gospel. The writer says in verse 18, For you have not, you have not come to what may be touched. This is what you have not come to, a a blazing fire, a darkness, a gloom, and a tempest. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice whose words made the hearers beg that no no further messages may be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. I mean, just listen at how the writer is piling up descriptions upon descriptions of Mount Sinai, or Mount Sinai, making it clear to them what the situation there was, what the situation of the law is, what the reality of Judaism is. The situation of the people of Israel and where they found themselves in the, in the exodus, after the exodus from Egypt in the wilderness. What a terrifying place to be. This description comes from the verses that we just read. I think it's worth reading them again because church, we have to see it. We have to see just how terrifyingly holy God is. Exodus 19 and verse 12. God says, you shall set the limits for the people all around. Saying, take care not to go up into the mountain. More than that, don't even touch the edge of it. Whoever touches this mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot, whether a beast or a man. He shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, They shall come up to the mountain. 
So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people. And they washed their garments. And he said to the people, Be ready, for on the third day, do not go near a woman. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a, a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. And so Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God there. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain and Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke went up like smoke from a kiln. The whole mountain shook. It trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. The Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up and the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn them. Warn the people lest they break through to the Lord to look. And many of them perish. On Mount Sinai, the holy God is there. And because the holy God was there, there is a separation between God and man. His holiness is more than our sinfulness can bear. Don't you dare come. Don't you dare come. Don't you dare look. Don't even touch the base of this place. There was a, a blazing fire, the Scriptures say. This is no cozy bonfire to warm yourself by its embers. No, this is destructive in its power. And the message that this fire on the top of the mountain communicates is the exact same message that the blazing sword of the angel at the Garden of Egypt, Eden communicated. And that is, you shall not come here and live. There was darkness And just look at the way the writer of Hebrews describes this darkness. He says there is darkness and gloom and a tempest. I think the best way to understand this is a great swirling blackness. Can you imagine? Darkness. Gloom and tempest. Tempest is a storm, a great swirling blackness that you can't see in, but you know it's there. And it's terrifying. 
And then out of this fire and smoke and darkness and gloom and whirlwind, out of it comes the terrifying voice of a holy God. A sound of a trumpet, verse 9. And a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. Please, God, we can no longer bear it. Just stop. They could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches this mountain, it shall be stoned. God is so holy and we are so sinful that if you even touched the bottom of the mountain on which He dwelt, the judgment is death. Even Moses couldn't bear it. Even Moses. Verse 21, indeed, it was so terrifying that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Think of all that Moses has seen. Think of all that Moses has heard. Think of all that Moses has experienced. And in this moment, as God manifests His righteous glory before the people of God, it is so absolutely terrifying that Moses trembles. There is this mountain, Mount Sinai, and it becomes in this moment the manifestation of the terrible majesty of the divine presence of God. This is the Mount of the Law. And the writer of Hebrews is reminding these people that this is what it looks like to come under the administration of the law of God. Church, that is not a good place to be. You cannot read those verses and think that is the place I want to be. That's a good place to be. No, that is a terrifying place to be. That is a dangerous place to be. That is a place of our destruction at the mighty hand of the just and holy God. That is the mount of the law. That's what it looks like to come under the righteous judgment of God. Of His holy righteousness on display before our sinfulness. And we can't touch Him unless we die. That is not a good place. We gotta, church, we've got to feel the weight that they felt. The terrifying majesty that they saw. The trembling fear that they experienced. And here's the writer's point. 
Brother and sister, you've been brought to a mountain. Just not that mountain. You've not come to that mountain, the writer says. Verse 22, you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. The mount of God's law is full of terrors and dangers. Where because of our sinfulness, the people were unable to draw near to God's presence. But how different is Zion? Church, we don't come to that mountain. We come to Zion, the mount of God's grace. Where thanks to the perfect law-keeping and all-sufficient sacrifice of Christ Jesus, no longer are we held back from the the base, unable to approach, unable to to, to, uh, touch, unable to see through the darkness. Now we are invited to draw near with boldness into the heavenly holies of holy. We have through faith in Christ, we have come into the presence of God Himself. The place where God exercises His authority and from where He sends His deliverance. But you have come. You have not, you've not come to Sinai. You have come to Mount Zion, the, the city of the living God. Zion is the place of His throne. It is His kingdom. We have now by faith, we have come to the very city that Abraham looked for. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 10. For he was looking forward to the city that had his foundations Whose designer and builder is God. We are through Christ and His Word. We are led not to Mount Sinai, but to a new mountain. Remembering the former one wrapped in darkness and gloom. I mean, you read that language of darkness and gloom and tempest, and this command of God, no one can even look. The holy presence of God veiled. We're unable to look, but now on this mountain, the veil has been torn. On this mountain, the storm, the tempest has been quieted by the gospel. Sinai prohibited the entrance of a sinful man. But on this mountain, there is a mountain of grace. And on this mountain, the whole people of God dwell with Him. And there is such a difference made by the coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus has removed all that stood opposed. All that stood opposed to us with God. He has taken away the darkness and the fire and the gloom. He has transformed 
the mountain of fear into a mountain of grace. Jesus changes everything. There on that mountain, that mountain that reveals our sin, we cannot go. You cannot go. But here on this mountain, a mountain of grace, listen to the words of Jesus. Revelation chapter 22. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. Church, this is too good to be true. This mountain to which you have been brought to look upon with eyes of faith, all that is there is yours and all the blessings of God and even God Himself is yours on Mount Zion. It's too good to be true. Just come. What a difference Jesus has made. Listen to the writer of Hebrews says is there on that mountain in that city. But you have come, verse 22, to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. And to innumerable angels in festal gatherings. So what do, we, what do we see on this mountain? What do we see in this city? Well, the first thing we see are a number of angels too great to be counted that are all in festal gathering. In Hebrews chapter 2, we are told that the old covenant was given through the angels, that they declared the message. And so it seems that these angels were the ones there on Mount Sinai stoking the fire and blaring the trumpet. And there they were clothed in doom. But here on this mountain, there is a great multitude in festal array. Glorious dress. And they are there, a welcoming party, inviting us to join with them in their joyful worship of God. But it isn't only angels that are there. Verse 23 says, We've been brought to this mountain, we've been brought to this city, we've been brought to these angels, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. To the firstborn, the assembly of the firstborn. Now this language of firstborn has several connotations. I want to think about them together. The firstborn was the one who received a double portion of the inheritance. That's the firstborn. And you understand, just... 
naturally, that there would only be one firstborn in a family. There can only be one. And that one receives the double portion. But in God's family, we're all firstborn. In God's family, we all receive the blessing of the firstborn. In the Old Testament, it was the firstborn that had a special love from the Father. Here in Zion, we all experience the special love of the Father. When we think of the firstborn, we can't help but think that it was the firstborn of Israel and Egypt that were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb at the final plague. The angel of death came to the land of the Nile and only passed over the doors of those who were marked by the redeeming blood of the Lamb. Guess what? In this city, all are redeemed. All are the firstborn who are redeemed and covered by the blood of the Lamb. And finally, Christ Jesus Himself is called the firstborn. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. And He is the head of the, the body, the church. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. And we are, by His grace, through the gospel, we are all being conformed into the image of the firstborn. And we are made His brothers. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed into the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. On that mountain, there is fire and there is darkness and there is gloom and there is a whirlwind and there is thunder. On this mountain, there are angels arrayed in festal garments. There's a whole host of of firstborn whose names are are, uh, written there. That belong there. Of course, God is there. We've been brought to God, he says, the the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Of course, God is there. It is His city. It is the city of God. It is the mount of God. He is there. But how does the writer of Hebrews say that He is there? He is there And He is the judge of all. You see, that's the problem at at Sinai, right? Because the people of God stand there at the bottom of that mountain condemned. Rightfully so, condemned by the righteous judge. Well, on this mountain, God is still judge. But in this city, God stands as judge not to condemn, but to vindicate. To vindicate. And I think when we read this, 
God is there, the judge of all, and we read it outside of the lens of the gospel, we tremble with fear. But when we read it through the gospel that says, all my sin paid for by Christ Jesus, His righteousness, mine, the very fact that He is the judge increases our comfort even more because He will be righteous. God will be righteous in accepting us in Christ Jesus, who has already paid the entire debt of our sin. He is there as our judge, and He is just, and He is righteous to say, Come! The debt's been paid. And the crown of heaven, crown of heaven Himself is there. Jesus, our mediator. And he is last. He is listed last because he is the pinnacle. And we have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Not a covenant of law that brings death in the presence of a holy God. But a new covenant of grace that says, come. We have come to Jesus. And in coming to Him, we come to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The blood of Christ speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. What did the blood of Abel do? The blood of Abel spoke a word. It cried out for vengeance. Cried out for vengeance. A brother killing a brother. Well, Christ Jesus... Was a brother killed by brothers? A Jew killed by the Jews. But his blood doesn't call out for vengeance. The blood of Christ pleads with God for the forgiveness of humanity and speaks peace to man. Church, Jesus changes everything. We have not come to Mount Sinai. Do do we see, do we understand the weight of our sin and our situation apart from Christ Jesus? It's Mount Sinai. It's separation. It's gloom. It's death. We have not come to Mount Sinai. No, now in Christ Jesus, we have come to Mount Zion. And He Himself calls, Come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and you will get rest. Come, all you who are thirsty, and you will drink. Come. 
Because what separated you from a holy God, what has caused you to stand in trembling fear before His righteousness has been taken care of. Jesus is a better Savior than we are a sinner. And so He sits enthroned in heaven, in His city, on His mount, His saving work securing our place there. And He calls us to rest our hearts in Him and with thanksgiving to offer to God the worship of our lives because we have not come to that mountain. We've come to Mount Zion. This is... Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable that God would do this. It is unbelievable that somebody like me who deserves death, who should be separated, can now Just come to this mount. You can drink of the living water. There's no price. It's been paid. We have by grace come into his kingdom to be his brothers, to be counted among the firstborn. Because He is the better mediator. Because He is the better Savior. Because His blood speaks better than the blood of Abel. Because Jesus changes everything. He changes everything. And He is, by His grace, building His kingdom. Zion. And it is there in heaven where he is, and church, hear me, it is here now in the local church. It's here now in the local church. And so we must be a people. We have to be a people. That's takes the good news that you don't have to stand at the base of that mountain and wait to be killed. You can, through Christ Jesus, come to this mountain and to this city and be healed. Just come. Father, would you help us see and understand and know and experience this unbelievable truth of the gospel, that the gospel changes everything. Jesus changes everything. By your grace, we are not standing at the mount of gloom and darkness and fear and trembling at the awesome holiness of a righteous God who stands in judgment over sin and sinful people. 
But we have come by grace through faith to a new mountain, to a mount of grace and of welcoming, to a mount full of myriad upon myriad of angels in worship saying, come and join. We are come to a mountain that is full of the firstborn by faith. We have come to a mountain where you, God, stand as judge, not to condemn. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are Christ in Christ Jesus, but to vindicate and to welcome. And we have come to a mount where Jesus Christ, the great crown of heaven, stands as our mediator and in his very last words recorded says, come and drink. The gospel is unbelievably good news. And so may we be a people that are committed to sharing this unbelievably good news so that this place could be an extension of Zion on earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.